Hello, welcome to season six of the Keeping Things Alive podcast. My name is Laura Evans, and I am a writer, deep listener, and disillusioned environmental lawyer living in Western New York. Season six of the Keeping Things Alive podcast is here to explore the opportunities and challenges for human beings as we all live together on this beautiful, harsh, and interconnected planet Earth. This season, we are going to pay special attention to the healing properties of plants, the legalization of cannabis in New York State, tarot, and what is going on with the police in Erie County. Hello, welcome to another episode of the Keeping Things Alive podcast. It's uh, August 1st, 2021, and we're in the middle of season six right now. I am about to share with you episode number 81, and my uh, guest, the person that I speak with, his name is John Heim, and he is a member of the Southwest Florida Clean Water Movement. And so this is a little bit out of left field, but not really, um, because in season four, so early 2019, I was in St. Petersburg, Florida, and I interviewed a number of people, uh, three of them, so episodes 53, 54, and 55. And in those episodes, I talked with some people that are doing um, keeping things alive type work in Florida and talked about uh, the red tide that had happened in 2018 and kind of late 2018, and it really had massive uh, marine kills then. And so I was there like a few months after and kind of seeing the aftermath, like just the more dead beaches, uh, just not a lot of life happening, not a lot of tourism, and making a lot of connections between um, growing up in Western New York, taking family road trips uh, in spring break for Easter, like down to Florida to see my grandparents who lived there year round, Um, But then knowing so many people that are snowbirds, like going there and living there for the winter and then coming back to Western New York for the summer. And so just always feeling this pretty strong Florida connection. And then, yeah, this season is happening and out of kind of feels like the middle of nowhere. There was there's just been so many environmental disasters like related to climate change and just what people have been doing over and over, you know, like. death of a thousand cuts or whatever, um, with, uh, climate change and environmental devastation. So, uh, it made some news, but not a ton because, you know, there's condos collapsing in the Florida coast. Uh, there is a lot of wildfires happening in the Northwest. There's massive heat waves. There's, uh, I think, was it a hurricane Elsa that, so actually that, that particular storm is a part of this podcast episode, Um, so I believe it was in April, there was a storm and a spill at a place called Piney Point, um, in and around Tampa Bay. And there's more information about it online. Um, but from what I understand, it's a fertilizer plant and they use all sorts of crazy chemicals and things to make fertilizer, which helps plants grow like on massive agro-industrial scales. Um, I don't exactly know which products they make, but... Um, it's fertilizer. It's making plants grow. And so there was a massive spill of that uh, in April. And um, just kind of ecology sort of 101 stuff is that, you know, the underwater plants, uh, they grow much like plants on um, earth. And so, you know, you give them fertilizer, you give them some heat, just different conditions, they're going to react to it in different ways. And so, Um, There is this uh, particular kind of algae uh, that forms a red tide every year in Tampa Bay, 
happens every year, usually in late summer or in the fall. And like I was saying, in 2018, there was a really bad um, extra red tide, like extra um, extra deadly, but that still happened in the fall. Now, this year in 2021, like as I'm talking about this on August 1st, but it's been happening now for about two weeks, is that there was a big red tide event happening in temp- Tampa Bay, and it's been exacerbated by this Piney Point um, fertilizer spill. But there's also been a lot of um, just media black holes and twisting of information and people not wanting to make links to a fertilizer spill to something that is this devastating. Although, you know, it's that happens a lot in environmental policy and issues and things. It's like, well, because it can't be the only cause, like we can't really narrow in on the cause. Like, oh, there's cancer clusters. We can't really say that it was the chemicals from that place. There, You know, that person was overweight. Um, so there's just like a lot of that like finger pointing and just like shuffling of the blame and it shows up in the media and also like, you know, everything, it's literally thousands of tons of fish and uh, dolphins, manatees, like anything in the water. People also like cannot swim right now or breathe the air. Um, that deeply affects tourism dollars and the economy and people being willing to move there. And so there's just been like, just a lack of information. So when, um, a contact from down in Florida, like, you know, just started reaching out to me and saying that this was something that they needed to have covered. I wanted to reach out and uh, speak with people. And I'm still open to doing more interviews about this. This is just one right now. Um, There's a lot more, you know, there's scientists, meteorologists, um, citizen activists, there's people that really know about the Tampa Bay, there's fishermen, there's uh, boaters, there's all sorts of different people, like just people that live in and around the water and have for a long time, um, indigenous people, like there's just, everybody is connected to this water and this place. And there's a lot more stories to be had. But I, yeah, in this one, I talk with a man named John Heim, and he does a good job introducing himself and honestly making it more about um, the issues than himself. Um, but yeah, I, I've um, connected with him. He's part of the Southwest Florida Clean Water Movement. They have a very active Facebook page. Um, and I've definitely been noticing a lot about the power um, as much as I try to, the power of social media. And I don't, I don't enjoy using Facebook and I haven't for some time. But uh, this particular experience, uh, interviewing John, and then he had me recorded on Zoom, but then also put it on Facebook Live at that time. And so you can go to their Facebook page and the Keeping Things Alive podcast Facebook page and actually see our interview like live face to face over Zoom. And it just adds a new element to it. It has gotten shared a lot more. And so it's just it's left me questioning or just thinking a lot about um, social media and the power of sharing information and like how that really can be like propaganda and a problem, but also like people are using it to really communicate right now, like important information that's being left out of mainstream media because yeah, this, um, this particular, uh, red tide spill has definitely been downplayed as a natural event, which is a very common way to downplay environmental problems all over the place. Um, and so, yeah, I just, I really enjoyed talking with John. He has a lot of good things to say. Uh, yeah, I, 
um, just, it's, yeah, really good to share this information and I hope to hear more. It is, it's definitely devastating, but it's also important. And so, yeah, with all of that, please enjoy my conversation with John Heim. Hi, John. Um, good to see you through the internet. And yeah, you're, you're talking to me through, uh, Fort Myers, Florida, right? Well, um, Fort Myers Beach, uh, Fort Myers Beach. Beach. Located on a very tiny island called San Carlos Island. Uh, I live right here in a place called Hurricane Pass. Mm, okay, got it. Um, so yeah, I'd love for you to introduce yourself. And uh, I want to hear more about the Southwest Florida Clean Water Movement. And then what your role is in that. And also like why you're concerned about clean water as well. And sure. we can bounce um, back and forth. So yeah, just feel free to yeah talk about yourself. And yeah, I mean, you know, I don't like to brag or boast. Uh, it's about eco, not ego. I have a phrase I like to go by with that mm-hmm. when we're off fighting. But, uh, you know, some of the things I've done is uh, certainly in the last 30 years organized a group called the Southwest Florida Clean Water Movement, where we're very proud of the, you know, efforts and uh, accomplishments we've made over the years. Um, at one point on Facebook alone, we had 80,000 people in the state of Florida. We have 100,000 people and throughout the country and, uh, you know, a global uh, setting. You know, we have uh, hundreds of thousands, you know, if not a million followers that are helping us out with a cause that we're fighting against, which is called the Lake Okeechobee uh, discharges, where Lake Okeechobee was um, connected artificially to our river, which is the Caloosahatchee River, for those who don't know, in the southwest Florida region of Florida, and basically uh, pumps its chemicals, uses our river, which is no longer deemed a river, it's now deemed the C-43 canal through the government, to where if they deem it a canal, they don't have to protect it and uh, pump their chemicals down a river into our Gulf front. Uh, we're hundred percent tourism uh, area. So, you know, obviously once the river outputs into the Gulf of Mexico right here uh, is where I live at the mouth of the river, we get such horrible algae outbreaks, such as cyanobacteria, along with all kinds of, uh, you know, horrible things like flesh eating disease and uh, incredible high counts of, uh, fecal coliform and you know a lot of this coincides with a red tide bloom which has seemed to be more so ever present now i like to say red tide is a natural occurring event but it's not natural occurring when you continuously add nutrients and things that exacerbate it that like adding fuel to a fire so uh, yeah what would it look like to add nutrients to it like that means fertilizer right like i mean correct Yeah. yeah So like we can point fingers all we want at like major corporations such as U.S. Sugar, who, uh, you know, adds these nutrients to the river and lake and to our coast communities. But the reality is it's all of us because, you know, Florida residents seem to think they can move here at a thousand people per day and have their grass look like it was in Ohio and use fertilizer right by waterfront property. But where when it rains, the runoff, of course, goes right into the uh, water. So the blame really goes no further than looking in the mirror when it comes to all kinds of facets. Sure, there are big corporations involved and other entities that are what are deemed by a lot of activists as evil, and that it is evil to pollute. But uh, we should also put ordinances in place like anti-fertilizer laws and have activists uh, call out people who don't abide by these local laws to where people are polluting their own local water. Mm, Yeah, that makes sense. Um, yeah, so what, um, with the Southwest Florida Clean Water Movement, you've been 
working um, on that particular. So what happened with that particular incident with the lake? And is it ongoing or? Oh, it's been ongoing oh, for Okeechobee, almost, 100, yeah. Okay. Yeah, almost 100 years now. They artificially uh, connected the Caloosahatchee River. So um, this was back in the, the early, you know, 1800s, 1900s. Uh, this river was like home to the Calusa Indians. And um, with the discharges, uh, it was pretty natural over the years because it wasn't so extreme. Over the last 10 years, uh, beginning with the uh, Scott administration, Rick Scott, when he was governor, they really got into deregulation and opening the floodgates when it came to pollute, allowing polluters to pollute. Mm -hmm. And in that time frame, it has completely decimated our water quality and added the, you know, degradation to our water quality, to say the least. Uh, I sit right here in a place called Estero Bay, which was the first recognized preserve in the state of Florida. And it is over 90 percent impaired as we speak because of a byproduct of this uh, ongoing disaster that we deal with called the Lake Okeechobee releases. Mm. OK, no, that makes sense. Thank you. So with this, um, this new red tide event that's happening this year, um, how far away is that from where you are? And then what is your role in um, doing some organizing around this particular event? Well, this is like, uh, you know, in the Tampa area. Mm -hmm. uh, this is in the Sarasota area. This is in the Charlotte County area. Okay, so you got Charlotte Harbor. Um, You've got uh, Tampa Bay. And you've got uh, Sarasota Bay as well. Um, these areas, including the Gulf fronts, are being decimated right now and really just hammered hard with uh, red tide, which is a neurotoxin and okay. basically cuts off the breathing and uh, kills marine life by the hundreds of thousands. Mm -hmm. So these communities are suffering. Um, the reason why it's so extreme this time is because of the Piney Point disaster. Okay, okay, so they tried to sweep Piney Point under the rug, but what yeah. Piney Point happened there was uh, the chemicals coming out of that disaster were being discharged right into the uh, estuaries and the uh, you know harbors and into the Gulf of Mexico. Once again, exacerbating a red tide. So right, because that particular red tide yeah. natural occurring event. That's not true because when you got man pumping, you know chemicals into the water it creates a red tide mm, okay yeah no for i understand that that is like they it was more fertilizer right so that happened in april and then yeah underwater plants like they respond to fertilizer too and then whatever sort of like um I mean, I, I do need to get more into the ecology of it um, with some other people too, but from, yeah, it's just like this chain reaction and buildup of, um, of plants and then whatever. And then, yeah, the, um, the red tide, can you explain at all, like how it affects the air quality or, you know, have you been around it at all? Like with. Oh yeah. I've been around it my whole life. Um, right. It's ironic because we've been hooting and hollering for about 20 years about how this stuff is uh, airborne. And mm -hmm. it's very obvious. It, it gets into your throat and your respiratory system and it's a neurotoxin. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, it, it gets to the point where you can't breathe, uh, period. Uh, mm -hmm. It creates migraine headaches. Uh, the human health effects that are just now being proven by scientists are astounding. Um, when this stuff gets in the air, you can imagine it comes in on the water, crashes on the waves, and becomes, uh, you know, airborne and off-gassing. 
And we're talking about uh, something that is a toxin that can travel up to 25 to 40 miles. So people even the coast that don't live on the coast are still mm-hmm. being affected by this. And there is really no education towards red tide aerosol um, issues when it comes to human health. And thank God scientists have just recently started to look into it. And the uh, findings are alarming because, you know, we're finding people down here in Southwest Florida that have higher, the children have higher cancer rates than anywhere else in Florida. Uh, We're finding people with dementia, uh, you know, from some of these airborne toxins, such as cyanobacteria. Cyanobacteria is an algae, which is different than red tide. But when it mixes together with a red tide, uh, it also becomes like a super bloom. And what they realize with cyanobacteria <clears throat> is that it also causes human health concerns such as ALS and mental degeneration and immediate liver failure. Uh, kills dogs and pets on the spot when it's exposed to it. So it's not just a red tide that we're so concerned about because it seems to be red tide's an easy out for the politicians in the mm-hmm. media because it's a natural occurring event. Right. Not taking into the fact is what's exacerbating red tide. And that would be these nutrients that are excessively coming down our rivers and inlets and being basically illegal pumped into our bodies of water, such as the Gulf of Mexico. Yeah, no, thank you for explaining all of that. So yeah, so you're the you're the first person that I'm talking to um, about this this year. I did talk about this and I was in Florida in kind of like early 2019 and it was just after the 2018 red tide that did do killed a lot of um, fish and marine life and the beaches were closed for a while. Um, so do you can you talk about like yeah why this particular year is different um, compared to other years? Like you've been complaining about it for 20 years, but like why is this one all of a sudden so devastating and so important? Well, I don't think it's different at all because okay. I, think, I think what's different is uh, that's really not different at all as well is we live in a society sadly where it has to happen to you for it to become real. Mm. So this has been going on for a long time down here where I live. We've been dealing with dead fish by the hundreds of thousands of pounds uh, just about every year for the last 10 years. So Mm. what's different is it happened different geographically, so to speak. And people in Sarasota and people in uh, Venice in these areas, they got hit hard in 2018. So they joined in Mm. and the clean water movement was forever growing. Now it seems as if the Tampa area, who has been affected by Piney Point, is getting it hard. And what we're trying to do is to not only wake people up, but to unite people along the west coast of Florida to say, hey, you know, it's more than red tide. Don't accept what they're telling you because there's so many more factors to why our water quality is in such bad shape. Mm-hmm. Yeah, can you give me a, a story or, or some sort of thing about um, about people uniting around this issue or water? Like, what what has worked? What hasn't? Um, I'm just I'm curious about how people have come together around this, like either well, now or in the past. It's great when people come together. Let's be honest. Uh, there's been, uh, you know, personally, uh, back in uh, 2015. There's a bridge here that connects the mainland to Fort Myers Beach, and we were having water quality problems. And I stood on the bridge for 30 and then 60 and then 90 consecutive days alone with signs, you know, and 
what it did was uh, raise awareness to where other people would join me. Mm. And before you know it, a year went by and there was hundreds, if not thousands of people on the top of these bridges. Mm. Um, it doesn't take a movement per se. It takes one person to care for its spread. And what I'm seeing is uh, people are becoming educated. And that seems to be the missing link all along was, now let's think about it. People move to Florida and they think paradise. They certainly don't think paradox, right? Mm, and they don't mm -hmm. think about water quality issues. So yeah. when they get here, they find that uh, they may have been sold a million dollar waterfront property, but nobody in the real estate industry had mentioned to them about possible algae blooms being as their backdoor neighbor and causing human health effects and lowering their real estate value. So uh, what has happened is uh, people got privy to it in 2018. And what I see happening now in uh, the Tampa area and Sarasota area is uh, the same thing I seen in 2018. P people are, pardon my French, pretty pissed off about what's happening because they have everything to lose. Everyone knows this, and anyone who would argue it would be a fool, like our politicians. If we don't have clean water, we won't have tourism. If we don't have clean water, we won't have development. If we don't have clean water, we won't have real estate. And if we don't have clean water, we won't have a thousand people moving here to spend money per day, like the stats tell us. Right. So what I see is, you know, people being energized and taken to bridges and stuff. But what we need is more than that. We need people to stay involved when the problem goes away. Mm -hmm. uh, Florida mm -hmm. does not have a water quality problem per se. And it does. Florida has a bigger problem and that's called complacency. Mm. So the minute we start to actually do things continuously like lobby and go to D.C. and organize like certain groups have and become 501c3s and fours and corporations uh, to, you know, basically go to the state capitol and lobby every day. Think about this. The polluters every single day have lobbyists up there fighting for, you know, what they want to do, their agenda, which has nothing to do with clean water. I mind mm -hmm. you. Right. So people uh, taking to the bridges and all that and get involved and writing your, you know, newspaper and, you know, going to see your local representative. Those are all great things. Yeah. And, you know, as a matter of fact, we're planning on hitting the whole West Coast of Florida when it comes to town council meetings to speak mm -hmm. to them directly yeah. and, and demand signage and demand beach closures and demand information for people. Mm -hmm. I mean, could you imagine uh, coming to one of these coastal towns when these outbreaks of algae blooms are happening, such as red tide or cyanobacteria, when your family has spent thousands of dollars to get here, there's not even a warning sign and you end up getting sick, God mm -hmm. forbid. Right. So there has to be accountability. That's why we're going the extra mile to speak in front of these town councils and county commissioner people and mm -hmm. town representatives. And we would enjoy for all of the communities to get involved and keep the pedal to the metal, so to speak. Just when things start to get back to paradise does not mean our water quality issues does not still spell paradox in reality. Right, right. No, thank you for that. That's really helpful. Um, okay, so I guess my next uh, question is kind of, well, actually you mentioned like lobbyists in the Capitol and things. And before we started recording, you talked about how you've had some experiences going there. Um, could you talk about like one of those experiences going to the Capitol? Like, why were you there and what happened? And yeah, I guess, what did you learn? Well, I mean, you know, uh, when I was quite younger, I got into this movement 
through groups like the Sierra Club and the Conservancy of Southwest Florida and, you know, all these organized groups. And, and don't get me wrong, they're all great. They all do great work. But what I realized was there was a grassroots level missing, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, that grassroots level uh, began with us as the Southwest Florida Clean Water Movement, where we united with the East Coast because their river is also connected to St. Lucie River and their water gets completely destroyed and ecosystems devastated and marine life dead just like ours. So we're shared partners. And we decided to break away from the major groups and become grassroots groups. And uh, we would lobby. Uh, the first time we went was in 2014 and rented buses and over 400 you know, grassroots activists went and spoke in front of the United States Congress uh, about our water quality. And to let them know that we were dead serious, we brought jars of you know, blue-green algae cyanobacteria with us to show them and said, uh, you know, would you swim in this? And, you know, the point being is you have to get up there. You have to talk to them. If you want real change, you're going to have to really, you know, go the extra mile as grueling as it is. I, I, I get it. I really understand the idea behind, like, it's hard to stay involved in something like a movement for water quality continuously. But if we don't, we have everything to lose. So we should all be at the state capitol lobbying our you know, representatives. We should all be taking trips to Washington, D.C. We don't know need to go there and storm these places like Capitol riot style. We make appointments with our schedules. We do it courteous style. We go up there and we act like professionals because that's what we are as advocates and activists for clean water. Professionals fighting for water, such as, you know, water is life after all. And uh, that's what it's going to take is organize people from a grassroots level to actually lobby and mm. put, if it's a game of the polluters are paying off the politicians, then why is tourism and development and real estate not involved in lobbying groups to save our water? Mm-hmm. So if it's gonna be a money game, then these other people such as tourism who's reaping incredible financial benefits, mm-hmm. uh, development who's reaping incredible financial uh, benefits and real estate who is reaping incredible financial developments. Put that money back in to our fight for clean water and become lobbyists themselves. Mm, yeah, that makes sense. Thank you. Uh, I also I wanted to ask you a little bit about um, yeah, just the media coverage that happens in Florida. I, I can't remember if you just said this now when we're recording or beforehand, but that you know there's just been such a lack of coverage. And even when I was you know trying to search about Red Tide and what's happening right now, I mean that's honestly why I'm getting involved because there is so little coverage Um, and so yeah could you just speak to that like how does the media show up in these situations and what what is and isn't being covered I like to put it this way Um, no matter what age you are uh, we've all seen the movie Jaws right Mm -hmm. so the water issue is not much different than what happened as a plot in Jaws Uh, you know this is tourism community uh, along the coast where these algae blooms take place. And they don't want people to know that there's water problems because, of course, that would affect their financial sector. So in a weird kind of metaphor, uh, the activists are like Sheriff Brody. Uh, The mayor in the movie is like the politicians trying to, you know, get everybody caught up in their denial and complacency. And the water is the shark itself. So... (laughs) You know, uh, we have to face problems before we can create solutions. 
and mm-hmm. to just wish it away, obviously throughout history, that's not working. So we actually have to, uh, you know, all get on board. I always hear terms like, hey, you know, chill out, John, you know, from business owners and tourism sector people. We're all on the same team. We're not on the same team if we're not all fighting 24-7 for clean water and, you know, getting right to the root of the cause. I mean, you, you can't blame major corporations for all the pollution when you have a fertilized yard in a mini mansion right on the Gulf of Mexico and letting the fertilizer go in the water. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I hear you. Yeah, nope, that makes that makes a lot of sense. Um, okay, so I want you to give me an example of people showing up and taking meaningful action like right now about this red tide disaster. Like who, who's doing stuff that like needs to keep getting amplified and, and grow? And then give me an example of people who are making the situation worse. Uh, okay, so you mean people that are making contributions towards raising awareness about what's happening? Right? Yeah, or, or like if there's cleanup solutions or people, are, yeah, what, what's happening that's positive and what's happening that's negative? Uh, to name some people, you know, I, I can name a person named Rachie. R-A-C-H-I Pharaoh, who uses her art to raise awareness. Uh, and, you know, she's a world famous artist and completely spells out what's going on through her art. Uh, people like Jessica Armin, who are located in uh, Sarasota. Um, you know, these are act- activists and, and, you know, people like, for example, she's a regular person, Jessica Armin. She's a real estate agent, but a clean water activist. Talk about mm-hmm. an oxymoron, but she cares enough to do the right thing. Mm-hmm. Then you go to uh, the higher ups who are really doing incredible work. Like right here in Lee County, we have uh, a group called the Calusa Waterkeeper Program. So the Calusa Waterkeeper himself is a man by the name of John Cassani, who took it amongst himself to enlist uh, average day people, train them how to test the water, and do all kinds of uh, field work when it comes to cleaning our water, including you know, uh, seagrass restoration, oyster restoration, and train these people that were activists and community members alike to fight back. Uh, He's incredible. He's an inspiration. If anyone needs to find out more about John Cassani, please look up the Calusa Waterkeeper uh, group in Fort Myers in Lee County. Um, You have people like Andy Mele, who is, uh, I believe, the Suncoast Waterkeeper. You have the Indian River uh, Lagoon Waterkeeper and Michael Connor, uh, who has been in this game for a long time. I was on the bus with him in 2014 going to Washington, D.C. Um, you know, these are incredible, incredible people that are being overlooked, to be honest mm-hmm. with you. And make one more mention about this yeah. uh, when it comes to the severity of our water issues here. Now, we have right down here in Lee County where cyanobacteria basically has infiltrated our water column and taken over. So cyanobacteria is like a bad neighbor moving in. It chased all the good algae away and infiltrated itself into our water column. If we have the world-renowned experts in in cyanobacteria and Dr. Metcalf uh, and his colleagues from Jackson Hole, Wyoming, setting up shop here and doing studies, Mm -hmm. then you know that we have a major problem. If we have the CDC and a you know, professor named Adam Schaefer working with the CDC to test human beings right here in Lee County 
for airborne toxins associated with cyanobacteria, we have a problem. Uh, if you have a school called Florida Gulf Coast University, FCCU, who just recently renamed a portion of their school called the Water School to attract students from all over the world to study cyanobacteria, that tells you we have a problem. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thank you for all of those uh, yeah, names and yeah, people and initiatives. Um, so what, what, what are the, who, are the, who are the people that are making this worse? Right, I didn't want to miss that part. I yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's part two. Yeah, <laughs> we're not making this work. Or you know, let's call them out, right? For what it is, okay? I, I, I've already touched yeah. on strong us. We can do our part. And, and it can part. be like, I mean, honestly, in this case, things are so bad. Like the individual names are all right, but I, I guess like just. I mean, yeah, it can also be general about like organizations or just like roles of big people. Ag- big agriculture for one. Yeah, there we go. Yeah. Big agriculture for one, and we don't need to name names. Right. They need to do a better job of being uh, responsible. So there's there's agriculture, yes, but there's something called responsible agriculture. There's something called drip irrigation as a technique to where it you know it may cost the company you know record profits for one to two years. But they'll still be making profits, mind mm-hmm. you. They just won't be making record profits. Mm-hmm. But they restructure everything when it comes to our water quality through something called drip irrigation. Um, that's just an example. Uh, people like Mosaic, okay? I will call that this out, all right? So you got big sugar, not the only people in agriculture. Then you got phosphate mining, okay? Um, Mosaic. Mosaic discharges like toxic. Uh, radiation and uranium and all kinds of dangerous, dangerous, dangerous yeah, where, water. Where does phosphate mining take place? All, all, all over Florida. All over uh, Florida. Okay. Know, Florida is becoming such well known for phosphate mining that it's almost getting to the point where we're going to start seeing advertisements in my imagination. Forget Disney, come see phosphate mining as it's, you know, mm-hmm. an attraction or something here. So yeah. you know, and phosphate, just to be clear, though, phosphate is like one of the key ingredients in fertilizer, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. OK, I just wanted to make that clear. Uh, yeah. So, you know, you got people like Mosaic that, you know, discharge right down the Peace River. And that's a major factor of why things are so terrible this year in that area that we're talking about mm-hmm. in Tampa Bay. And, you know, uh, Charlotte Harbor, it comes right down the Peace River. Peace River was majestic just 10 years ago and completely destroyed by Mosaic who moved in and dumped its chemicals down the Peace River and into the Charlotte Harbor estuary. Mm. So, uh, you know, that's just corporations. Then you get into politicians. Mm -hmm. So people are always like, vote, 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 vote. And that is true. We have to vote. But what we need is people to run, people like ourselves, Mm -hmm. people that have backgrounds in ecology and don't even really need backgrounds in ecology. People that have passion, and we're seeing more and more of that. It's a non water is a non-party affiliation type mm-hmm. subject. Yeah. Doesn't matter if you're red or blue, if the water's brown, you gotta vote for water. And mm-hmm. so we're seeing more and more, you know, young people, especially a girl named Rachel Brown here. She ran against a longtime politician named Ray Rodriguez. She did lose, but she gave him a run for the money. And mm-hmm. point being is we have to get rid of this structure that's set up in Florida, which is a good old boys network politically who takes money, let's be honest, from the polluters and they get their way. And that's how the water quality has gotten so decimated is because of politicians 
looking out for their special interest buddies as opposed to the constituents who want to vote for clean water. Yeah, thank you. That was well said. Um, okay, so we're kind of getting towards the end-ish. Um, what do you want to see happen to address, uh, I mean, honestly, like any water quality problem, but yeah, this red tide right now that's happening right now, like what do you want to see happen this week, this year, and then this decade? What do I want to see when it comes to what's happening uh, presently with red tide? Well, mm-hmm. I can't wish it away, even though I'd like to. Mm-hmm. So it's going to get worse. Here. Okay. There. Yeah. Uh, what, what I'd like to see is communities and residents of this Flor- state of Florida, now that it's happening to them, you know, it doesn't mm-hmm. have to happen to just you geographically. If you don't live in the Tampa area, if you don't live in the Sarasota area, you need to get involved. We're one Florida and it's our water after all. And if we don't protect it, we're not going to have all these things that we moved here for or grew up here for. I've been here 37 years and watch the water completely go downhill. Why? Because people refuse to get involved. Um, so what I want to see happen is, you know, I'm going to use myself as an example. Uh, I'm going to travel up the West coast of Florida and speak to council people. And I'm hoping through Facebook and other vessels to get the word out for other people to join us, you know, mm-hmm. cause it's not about me. This is about we. And when people start to understand that we're living in an eco mentality our ego mentality excuse me not an eco mentality and we need to reverse that cycle completely and i think it starts now because uh they talk about tipping points when it comes to environmental disaster and the state of florida is at that tipping point and what i'd like to see is people become more educated uh, the number one thing that's missing for people in Florida is the real education about what's going on here and how our waterways got this way. I think nine tenths out of people just move here and get a uh, you know beach chair and an umbrella and call it a day and have no idea about people like Hamilton Distant who dredged the Everglades and completely in our situation created a disastrous situation back in the 1800s. I think people have no idea that Theodore Roosevelt was all for, you know, uh, destroying the Everglades uh, for development, even though he was an environmental hero. Um, I think people have no idea that our governor, DeSantis, will talk about clean water, but does absolutely nothing to do it. Mm-hmm. I think people in our area, when they vote for politicians, in our case, geographically, our congressman, uh, Byron Donalds, was elected, even though he had an F minus water, clean water voting record. So wow. people need to become educated. That's the real issue at hand. Mm-hmm. Like I said before, we don't have just a water quality issue. We have a complacency issue. And that goes along with lack of education. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Thank you. Um, all right. So yeah, we're had a, yeah, we're at the end. Um, I just, I want to give you the last word. Um, if you have any parting thoughts, uh, and or action steps for people listening. Um, and I think, you know, talking about the people who actually live in Florida right now and then, yeah, I'm in Buffalo, New York. So what do you want people like outside of Florida to know and to do? 
you know, since the rise of electronics, especially social media, uh, we hope people will get the word out. Uh, what scares the hell out of the politicians and the polluters is that people start to know. And if everyone and anyone all over the world can hear about and learn about our separate geographical water issues throughout the coastlines of Florida and uh, find out the truth. Don't just go on Google and, you know, believe the first thing you said, you, you read, look up groups like ours, Southwest Florida Clean Water Movement, look up, you know, uh, Bull Sugar, look up Captains for Clean Water, look up You went a little quiet. So, you know, what I would ask people all over the world watching this or, you know, anyone, we need you to help us because you can't come to Florida for a week forever and expect to have paradise. If this keeps up, you're not going to be able to come to Florida for a week because it's going to be so decimated with water quality. There's not going to be any animals left. There's not going to be any mammals left. You're not going to be able to swim in the water and you're not going to be able to stay at, you know, beachfront hotels because the place was destroyed and uh, need everybody to get involved and get the word out. So if you're watching this, share it out. Uh, You can contact me directly. You know, my email is lowtidefilms at gmail.com. My Facebook page is Southwest Florida Clean Water Movement. And all you need or even up to tell you my telephone number if you on Facebook. All right. Well, thank you, John. It's been great to talk to you. And yeah, thanks for all that you do. Appreciate hey, thank it. You, man. Yep. Keep up the good work. Thank you. And you know, get the word out. And thank you for your advocacy work. Yeah, I will. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to the Keeping Things Alive podcast. For more information, please visit www.keepingthingsalive.org.